Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jesse, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg people. Sigs, it is Filipino Heritage Month here in Canada. Woohoo! Yes, happy Filipino Heritage Month. I can't Filipino believe it. Canadian Heritage Month. I can't believe it too. Where it feels like only a year ago where we were getting our material ready and recording. I know, wow. amazing, right? In honor of Filipino Canadian Heritage Month, we're going to be spotlighting Filipino Canadians this entire month, most of our episodes. So for That's this right. particular episode, we are going to be spotlighting our favorite Filipino Canadian podcasts and then later on in the show talking about mentorship. But before we do that, Let's catch up. What have you been up to pop culture-wise? Were you like a majority of the population Thursday, May 27th? Did you watch the Friends reunion? We totally did. Michael and I totally sat that evening and was just so nostalgic and weepy and happy. And I haven't laughed and had such a good belly laugh like that for such a long time. It was so great to see that Friends reunion show on HBO Max. Quick observances. Mm -hmm. I have three. Okay. And I want you to think about it. Yes. Number one, the emotion was there. eh? I have had many comments from friends, especially our dear friend Tara, who Mm. we're friends with since university, in tears. Yeah, yeah. It is nostalgic, exactly. Those were like our nights before we went out to bars and stuff, right? Right, right. Yes, I remember. To catch friends. And number two, I am very excited as, you know, in about five years, I turn 50 to embrace my full dad bod <laughs> as ma- both Matthew LeBlanc and Matt Perry have embraced it too. They so have. I, I don't feel any no shame. shame. No shame on that. Yes. Number three, it's not that I'm casting a pall over this. I sort of like how they just approached this reunion as this is just a time capsule of the 90s. Mm. And on record, I know Lisa Kudrow and David Schumer have acknowledged the fact it hasn't aged well. And if they decide to do Friends now, it will look certainly different. Of course, yeah. I think they did it in such a respectful manner. And had they brought that up, I could totally see them take it very classy. Like, yeah, some things didn't work back then. And now, like, if this came out, it was a time capsule of the 90s. It was great. From Justin Bieber, Cindy Crawford in a fashion show. And then like David Beckham or like Malala. It was great. It was filled with tons of trivia, which I loved. And I think it made everyone happy. Yeah, I was really impressed by the trivia that they were actually sharing. Some of the private trivia from like Lisa Kudrow has the cookie jar, for example, or the crushing that both Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer had on one Mm. another. And I also found fascinating their table reads and how instantly they got back into character right on lisa kudrow is an actress just line reading was dead cold it was i I thought i was watching the episode yeah you know that they just dropped those excerpted scenes to them Mm -hmm. and then they just channeled that character of course they know those characters well they spent 10 years with them we've spent Mm -hmm. 10 years with them but it was just incredible like just seeing the technical proficiency of their acting it was incredible and again kind of back to that trivia about Mm -hmm. matt leblanc and his dislocated shoulder it was like oh my goodness and it's great and the quick changes that they all had to 
do and incorporate and stuff like that. I thought that that was incredible. I think also just the nuance of their friendship off stage or off friends. And I think I was most taken aback by, oh my goodness, what's his name now that played Chandler? <laughs> I can't remember. Matthew Perry. Yeah, Matthew Perry, where he said that if you ran into someone socially, some like, let's say Oscars party or Golden Globes party or Emmys party, you mm. would spend the entire night with them probably just catching up and finding how life has been treating them. And kind of comes back again to that idea of the time of your life when your friends or your family and that you can't forget them. And although you might not see them as often, Mm. they still hold a special place in your mind. And I have to say that that was somewhat healing for Michael to hear. He always laments friends ending and hearing Marta Kaufman say this had to end because like once your family or once you start your own family, this other family has to stay behind. And I just thought that that was really poignant, but yet it still has an impact that you don't, you don't just kind of leave it behind and treat people like acquaintances. You could tell that if they do run into each other, they're like, how are you when they're talking to Mm -hmm. each other? And it just makes you, makes me at least reflect on our friendship circle that we're a part of or other friendship circles. When again, more of my friends were more of my family than what it might be today. But yeah, it was just wonderful to watch. Wonderful to watch in so many different ways. In other entertainment news, yes. and you, and I were, we were, you and I were buzzing about it. You sent me a text. The wonderful comedian, actor, entrepreneur, Joe Coy, mm. has signed a developmental deal with ABC, single camera comedy. The Filipino-American like family is going to be focused. Kuya, this is our Margaret Cho moment. I think so, yes. This is all-American girl. Like This is like all-Filipino man yes. using a tabo. Like, on ABC. Wow. Blackish is ending. Mm. Let's bring in the Filipinos. What are your initial thoughts? Some of the feelings that I have is kind of like disbelief. It's like, when I saw that, I was like, is that true? Like, that is true. And it's like, to see it from multiple news sources, it's like, oh my God, that's amazing. And felt a lot of excitement. And then just thoughts about kind of like, it's about freaking time. We are such a hospitable culture. We are taught hospitality, but there's so many layers of humor within all of that, that I think it's going to be so funny. My only, I guess, concern or, you know, maybe framed in other ways, hope is that the humor finds a really wide audience. Certainly Joe Coy's humor to us makes a lot of sense because he's poking fun at our own culture. And I think that that it's stuff that I think we would all kind of make fun of in terms of it's the way that we do things here in the Philippines or it's the way our Filipino parents are here in the diaspora. I guess that's my hope. My hope is is that it finds a wide audience, just like friends in some ways. True. What's interesting right now for Joe Coy, he is actually starring and I think producing in a movie called Easter Sunday, which is filming in Vancouver Mm -hmm. at this moment. The whole cast are Filipino. Americans and Filipino Canadians. How incredible! So we're is talking that? about like we're talking about royalty. We're talking about T. Carrere. We're talking about Lou Diamond Phillips. We're talking about Rodney Toe. We're talking mm-hmm. about Eugene Cordero. We're talking about Elena Waka, who's Filipino Canadian on Jan Arden, and he's been really. I've been following a lot of people that are 
on this cast. They were just taking videos of the movie poster today wow. or yesterday. And the excitement's there. Joe Coy even made sure, like, the cast, all of them had director's chairs that said their name. And on the back said Easter Sunday. So, Kuya, this is, like, our crazy rich Asians. It's just, like, Filipino Catholics eating lots of food <laughs> on, like, a Catholic, on a Catholic holy holiday. Like, this is, I'm excited. I've been waiting for also Dante Bosco to drop his Filipino, Fabulous Filipino Brothers movie. Mm. Like, I'm seeing it. It's so nice to see. Excitement. Joe Coy. I'm sure that there's going to be some episodes dedicated to that and his book for our upcoming season. The fact that we've talked about this on this podcast, the whole importance of reflection. And it's nice to be recognized. Obviously, he had to get these things greenlit. People mm-hmm. saw him. And if the, if you will, the studio executives see him, it makes you think, well, then the studio executives see our culture. And how important is that in a lot of ways? So very much looking forward to that. And I'm glad that Joe Coy has somehow been able to put a spotlight on Filipino culture in the diaspora. And of course, speaking about spotlights, as I had mentioned earlier, you know, at the beginning of our show today, is is that for Filipino Heritage Month, we are going to be spotlighting, in this case, Filipino-Canadian podcasts. Next time, we're going to be spotlighting a particular Filipino-Canadian singer that we'll talk more about on that next episode. So stay tuned for that. But yes, Six, we want to know, I guess our assignment was to really share with the listeners our favorite Filipino-Canadian podcasts. And so let's start off with you. What is right now a Filipino... Canadian podcast that you want to spotlight and talk about? So when we started our podcast in 2018, we looked at the landscape. We saw a lot of Filipino-American podcasts, but we didn't see many on the Canadian scale. Right. I was really excited in this past September 2020, September 11th, a podcast came out called the Filipino Friday Podcast, a podcast for the modern Filipinex millennial. It is hosted by OJ, Archie, and Archia. They are based in Vancouver. OJ is originally from Montreal. And I'm so impressed by them. Different generation. We're Gen X. They're millennials. They created this space, and not only did they create this space, it they started off with a boom. They started off with their first episode, Define Filipino Enough. Mm. And within that first hour, they were able to... The pilot hooked me, and even still, I think that they're beyond many episodes, at least 10. I apologize if that is inaccurate. They're still doing throwbacks of these little comments or these things that they broke up and these topics. It was... It just hooked me. And I speak, think especially being in pandemic and not being able to see my family and whether it's my Filipino family in Niagara right. or to see you, my chosen family in Toronto, mm-hmm. or even my Filipino family in Ottawa, when I turn onto this podcast, it is like a family affair. Wow. These guys... The three of them created a space for their thoughts, their feelings, experiences. They set a tone that not only I just liked, I was able to identify with them. It was like listening to family. I felt like literally a Filipino party. I'm sitting in the corner. I don't quite know everybody. But they're like, don't you just hate it when? And <laughs> they talk about it. It was for them to start off so strong. And even like they're set up, they have wonderful production value when they have a new episode coming out, they're lettering. I think they're even broadcast on Fridays on Anchor FM and they're immersed in the networks. They're, mm. they're using their networks. I want to say Archie is involved with X pages or read X, and she's part of like one of like the Book of the Month Club and they're just covering some stuff. And I, I feel like a proud Kuya going, look at, look at this. Look the, at the next generation. Look at the next generation. 
are so sweet. I had mentioned to them as Hollow Hollow Podcast, we love seeing what you do. And they were so flattered. Like, thank you so much. And mm. we're shoulder to shoulder. And there's so much space. They had me excited and hearing different ways. And I think what they bring to the table, there's such honesty and candidness. Right. Especially about topics that we talk about too, but the different spin. I think you told me too, you're like, there's so much space around here. And look at one topic and how we all have different views on it. Yeah. Yeah. I've listened in on their podcast too. I love their podcast. They, I love their podcast. And I would say that they have a certain amount of bravery to be able to say mm-hmm. what they say. And I very much appreciate that. They have a very different brand than ours. We talk about the same topics and that's, I feel mm-hmm. like they're kin as well to us. But I think you describe it well. I feel like I'm at a Filipino party eavesdropping on their conversation and then going, yeah, 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 me too, me too, right? Like mm-hmm. at the same time. And yeah, it does kind of have that feeling like I'm at a Filipino fam jam. It feels very familiar and yet very current at the same time. So that's a, those are really like interesting things to know about this particular podcast group. I think also, too, some of the topics, like whether it's body shaming and colorism, toxic Filipino culture traits, they really do talk about crab mentality. Right. I feel like when they talk these things out, it's almost therapeutic, and it's for them to create a learning space. I see this. What do I do about this? And there's just so many more good things to come from these guys. I'm such a fan. And people have asked me, do you listen to other podcasts? And I referred a previous guest we had, mm, Armand, right. from Rhode Island. I was like, what are you listening to? I'm like, hey, try Filipino Friday podcasts. They have such a great spin. And he's like, I like them. Yeah. I like them a lot. Yeah. I'm like, how can you not? They're great people. It just, exactly. They're awesome. And there's more to see from them. And I can't wait to see or actually hear more from them as the months progresses, the future progresses for them. Like, what is a podcast? Filipino Canadian podcast that you listen to, Kuya? One that I love listening to is by uh, Nastasha Ali, who puts out Exploring Filipino Kitchens. Ah. Yes. I've talked about this before. I only mentioned it passing, but I thought to myself, oh, I'd like to really expand on it a little bit more. So she asks the questions of all of her guests is, what does your Filipino kitchen look like? So again, Mm -hmm. she poses this to various guests and food lovers. And in those discussions, Nastasha examines Filipino food culture culture, traditions, and history. And I was telling this to Michael today on our ride around town as we were going to Lowe's to pick up a a new umbrella for our deck. (laughs) Yes. I was saying to Michael that Filipino food culture, like if you go to the Philippines, food is everywhere. There are Mm -hmm. hawker stalls everywhere. There are stalls for food everywhere. And so I just love her analysis and what she brings in. Her podcast is very much part personal journey, part exploration of defining our Filipino culinary heritage. And I just, I yearn for more information about this because it's not like you can actually find this in books or academic articles. You have to almost live it and experience it and hear others talking about it. So I very much appreciate that. She's based here in Toronto and again, works in the culinary tourism industry. And I love how her episodes are really melodic and sonic. She Uh makes sure that every episode is sonically curated with thoughtful background music and wonderful soundscapes. And it complements the discussion at hand and then allows her to kind of segue into different articles, different discussions. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. The descriptors that I would kind of attach to this podcast is very much that she's personable 
And her podcast is thoughtful and meditative mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. She has a very kind of like very soothing voice. And Nastasha, if you ever get to listening to this, I just enjoy listening to your voice, you know, and then hearing all of that thoughtful music in the background. The episodes that I've recently been enjoying is one of her most recent ones. It's for the love of the panaderia oh. and the Philippine bakery tradition. And she just has some vivid descriptions with her guests of eating pandasal and going to Philippine bakeries and some of the dying traditions, unfortunately, as corporatism kind of takes over in the mass production of pandasal oh. and other Philippine baked goods and stuff. But, you know, one of her guests was just talking about kind of like going to the Philippine bakery, picking up a fresh bag of pandasal uh-huh. in the panaderia. I just love the vivid description. I felt like I was back in Manila as I was kind of listening to this podcast. And that's what I find listening to all her episodes is, is that I feel like I'm transported back to whatever memory she's talking about that I can relate to. The other episode that I enjoyed too was the new Filipino kitchen in Toronto, which coincided with a book launch of a very similar name. And a panel discussion as well. And, you know, one of the parts of that discussion that I enjoyed was them talking about Filipino street food in downtown Toronto. And it just kind of makes me think about kind of like how Filipino street food in downtown Toronto is being consumed by the general public. And I just kind of think to myself... You know, that's something that I eat for breakfast. And it's interesting that they're all eating these things after a night of drinking. So like the (laughs) displacement, the dislocation is just fascinating. It's just fascinating. Have you been able to listen in on Exploring Filipino Kitchens? I have it in my queue. Yeah. And the one it was the love of the panderia and the Philippine bakery traditions. Like I li- it's literally sitting in my queue. I'm like, I need, and as soon as I'm like, oh, of course, because it's about pandasol. Yeah, the panderia. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to enjoy that one too. And again, you know, one of my most vivid memories of going to a panaderia was, you know, when I was in the Philippines 2015 with a good majority of my family and in the Airbnbs that we were staying in, downstairs was like a standalone panaderia. Oh my goodness, Sigs, like the kids just ate it all up, just enjoyed eating it. And it was just like, you'd open the door and you can smell the waves of that sweet bread smell. And then it was just wonderful because they would be like, what do you want on it? You can put coconut on it. You could put Nutella on it. You can put just butter and cheese on it. You know, you can, yeah, the choices were endless. It was just wonderful. And it was fresh and out of the oven, which I think is the best way to have your fundasal. Kuya, when you close your eyes and you've been really descriptive of it, Mm. Where does it bring you? Like, where does it bring you? You feel the warmth on your body or whatever. What what does that make you feel? Yeah, it makes me feel, for lack of better words, home. Like it That's makes, exactly it. It makes me feel like home. And I think that this is what I really enjoy about Nastasha's podcast is that any of our episodes make me feel at home and it is so vividly described that I can't help but when I close my eyes listening to the podcast, I'm there. Like I, I travel in stillness to quote Madonna. Like, oh, wow. yeah, I listen to his <laughs> podcast and I travel in stillness and somehow I'm back in Manila smelling the wafts of those smells of sweet bread and mm-hmm. it's thrilling and it feels like a homecoming in some ways. So every time she has an episode drop, it's like, oh, I can't wait. Like, I wonder where I'm going to be transported next. Oh my gosh. She's totally captured it. Yeah, Totally. Totally. So listen, so folks, listen to Nastasha Ali's Exploring Filipino Kitchens. 
Well, and finally, the last podcast that the both of us are going to talk about mm. is one that was just released, only has three episodes down, and it is the Living Hyphen Podcast. Yes, yes. Now, this podcast is hosted by Trisha Gregorio and Justine Abigail Yu, who's the founder and editor-chief of the publication of The Living Hyphen. Now, Living Hyphen is a publication I'll be talking about on this week's Taste Test. Mm. And the theme of this season one of The Living Hyphen podcast is called Homestuck. So Trisha and Justine collected stories from a multitude of different storytellers to explore this concept of homestuck. Whatever home may be, whatever one's relationship to their homes might be, and whatever stuck can mean. I really enjoy like what they're going to be doing. And as far as I'm concerned, they seem to be taking both a metaphorical and narrative take on what it means to be Philippinex in the diaspora. And as far as I can, can tell so far, it seems to be taking what I would call an appreciative approach on what it's like to live between two worlds or cultures or across worlds and cultures. And I think that you know, this is the same topic that you and I talk about, being right. part of two different worlds and navigating between the two different worlds and combining the two different worlds. And our brand of exploration is really through the lens of pop culture. Theirs is through the brand of storytelling and narratives. And so I'm very yes. curious to hear more about what's going to be released in their upcoming podcast something that struck me was that metaphor of a potted plant that they were talking about. And it's like what was said in one of the episodes was feeling like that they've been contained all this time, similar to the pandemic and where we've had Mm -hmm. to kind of feel constrained. Like, do you continue to feel constrained or do you just kind of like say, yeah, I'm just going to set my roots here. And I just thought, oh, that's really interesting. Like it highlights the idea that we have a choice in terms of being in the diaspora and reminds us that that choice never went away. It's always been there. It's just whether we saw it or not. I don't know if you had a, a similar thought or idea around that. No, I just... I think this podcast is very well thought out. I love that the first episode's about uh, digging roots mm. and how you talked about the potted plant. And the episode that I really liked was about tasting memories. Right. And it was a, such a standout because you know me and food. Mm. We just talked about food earlier. Yes. Anytime people talk about food and how it is a big part of your culture, it was like a peek inside of a person's history and a family life. What's interesting about this podcast is elevated the publication of Living Hyphen. Right. Like you have said, we're relying on the storyteller to share their writings, their poems, and these speak to each of them to discuss what they've shared. And I think that's what, from this narrative, it's a wonderful talk. And they have great chemistry, Trisha and Justine, saying we have this next piece. And they talk about it. They have the storyteller come in and they get to actually talk to the storyteller. What was the reasons behind it? Or the analogies? And they really get to dig in. Mm. It's like a show. I'm very impressed of what they brought in. A highlight in episode two, they talk about the storyteller's Christine Vu, and she has a piece about the cutting fruit and playing the favorite favorite. Right. And she's talking about how this, like the symbolism is of care and expression of love when you are cutting fruit. Mm. And it just adds this additional level to the narrative. Not only do we get to hear the storyteller, we get to hear the story behind it. And even Justine gets to poke and ask, like, can you tell me about this? And it's those deep dives you really, really want. It's almost like a value added to it. It almost seems like, their version or a great version of Inside the Actor's Studio, you know, where you get to ask all those questions that you would have wanted to ask of the creative. And in this case, they're creatives, but again, they get to ask the creatives of the stories even more questions. And again, as you talked about, like the thoughtfulness behind what's being told to us or given to us in some ways. I mentioned kinship earlier. I think for what I've listened so far of Living Hyphen, some of the feelings that kind of come up for me is familiarity and kinship with respect to 
podcasts and what we're going to be told. And, and I also think that their exploration of the same topics that we've been exploring is significant because through storytelling, you leave messages behind. And yet, at the same time, those messages and that learning continue. I think some podcasts could focus on giving lots and lots and lots of statistical information information. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stick with people. And I think what's going to stick with people is the emotion, the message, and some of the learnings that kind of come up. And that usually comes through a story. Right. So I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen there. I agree. I think to myself, when we started our podcast, we did it because we wanted to hear our voices in the podcast landscape. And it's funny, Sigs, like, you know, surveying now, it's like I'm seeing more and more Filipinos, Filipinex in the diaspora putting out podcasts. And Mm -hmm. now hearing other podcasts on this landscape, it's funny that we were talking about Filipino Fridays. I'm thinking to myself, like some of the stuff that they've had to say have provided me inspiration from when we start planning for season four, listening to Nastasha or listening to Living Hyphen. We're now looking to them and it's not such a lonely landscape as much as before. And I think that there were these ideas of scarcity need to be challenged. And what I mean by that is, is that it's kind of like, okay, is there enough room for all of these podcasts out there? And yeah. it is incredible. Like, it's incredible what's out there. And it's not like it pushes or takes anyone's downloads or viewership or listenership away. You know, in fact, it just proves the idea that there's room for all. But I think what's really fascinating is that when you kind of look to being in a field, you always look to others. Who's ahead of you on the landscape or who's ahead of you on the journey? And I know that when I think about that, the reason why we need that is is, is because if someone has already paved the way, you want to get their mentorship, you know, which is kind of today's cultural capital topic is mentorship. And when I think about mentorship, you know, I usually think of it as being hierarchical and top-down. But what I don't usually think about is how mentorship it can also be lateral. And that's just yes. different, right? Like, that's just different. And I have to just say, as a product of our age and being a Gen Xer, finding traditional mentors in my field, you know, has not been easy. It's not like there are other Filipinos in my field that I can look to and I can say, how do you navigate some of the microaggressions in our industry? Or how do you right. navigate some of the glass ceilings that you might encounter? Or how do you not personalize all the door shut in your face and stuff like that with respect to opportunities. That's what mentors do. Mentors help you with all of those navigational things. But without having mentors, where do you go? Well, it makes me think about kind of like what I'm alluding to is, again, you look to others that are already existent there. And it's so great to be in the company of these other podcasts because, like what I said, we gain inspiration from them. And then they give us ideas and they act like mentors to us. And they're lateral mentors is the way that right. I kind of think about it. I don't know if you have any comments about that or if you've got any observations to make. It's very funny that you have this, and I'm actually dealing with not an issue of something that was brought up to me. So currently, I think people sort of know that I do work for the public service, and I'm actually going to be taking a new employment in mm-hmm. not long from it, about a week and a half. And it was funny. I was looking at my peers, and I'm talking about my Filipino chosen family that are from Ottawa, mm. and both of them have done really well for themselves. They're in senior positions, and one of my other fr- good friends, Diana, has just taken a new role as a manager, and I'm very proud of her and I'm very proud of Jose. I'm really proud of us of like uh, me taking a new role too. 
I have a, a colleague out in Nova Scotia named Renee who is Filipino, mm. and she had mentioned, like, there's some opportunities, but it's hard to get there. I said to her, I'm like, we need to network and we need to work together to create that success. And I learned this from you. Mm. Like, sometimes you have to link to other people. Like, how are you getting where you are? Yeah. We're getting through those doorways because of the opportunities that are afforded to us. Right. And I really took a look. I'm like, wow, you know what? I- I've been 21 years with the public service. I'm starting a very exciting job in something so different. Mm. My friend Diana is starting a job and Jose's really worked hard. The three of us together can pull, like, sort of our thoughts to be like, okay, what can we do for other people that are looking for it? Who, uh, my friend Renee, has all the things that that is needed in the public service, bilingualism, uh, being a BIPOC. Like, she needs those opportunities. And how does she find those opportunities if, you know, she looks around to be like, who can help me out here? And you identified that thing. Like, hey, you might have to link it to those resources. And this is exactly what you're, you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, and I can't help but stress that enough. Because if you were to think about some of our, if you will, typical European Canadians, they mm-hmm. have people that are ahead of have mentors that look out for them that are up ahead on the path. So if I was like a young 20-year-old getting into a particular industry and if there was a mentor that would then take a shine to me, they would keep their minds open to the idea of like, hey, this might be an opportunity for you. Or, hey, if you're going to meet with this person, make sure you ask about these things and stuff like that. Or, hey, like you might want to be up on these particular current events because this person likes to talk about those particular current events. Right, And it's those little things things that create, if you will, lubrication in the network that then mm-hmm. allow that person who is junior to that senior mentor to kind of go through and then get, if you will, opportunities that might not normally be available. But I think in our situation, finding mentors ahead of us that will be able to do that doesn't come too easily, unfortunately. No. You know, because of that, you have to then be creative. And I think you do that by looking to the people to your left and to your right, as opposed to who's ahead, especially if there's no one ahead. I know, Sigs, that I've had mentors that weren't Filipino and had championed me, Mm. but they also don't get our lived experience of what it's like to experience microaggression or opportunities not provided to you automatically or people automatically being suspicious about you. Mm -hmm. So I just think to myself that finding those lateral mentors, in other words, people that are in a similar position ourselves and linking up to them is important. And I think that this is kind of like where we need to rely on the wisdom of otters. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's and so right. I've said it before, but I can't, I can't help but say it again many times that the wisdom of otters is incredible. And for those of our listeners that might not know what I'm referencing, I ask you this question, which is, what do you call a group of otters? So wait for it. You call them a raft. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you call a group of lions? It's a pride, you know, but what do you call a group of otters? It's a raft. And mm-hmm. so... The interesting thing about otters is is, is that, A, if they want to get through rough waters, they find other otters and then link up to them. Yep. And they link up to them side by side, and then they lie on their backs, and then they start paddling with their legs all the way through rough waters to get to the other side. And I just think to myself, that is lovely. You know, they've created a raft to get to the other side when there's no one that's going to take them to the other side. 
And so look for other otters. And I think that that's one piece. The second piece of wisdom with respect to otters is this is that they need to be around others. And I don't know if yeah. you know this, Sigs, but if otters somehow get orphaned from other otters, they actually can die of loneliness. Oh. I know, isn't that sad? Like, oh. that's so sad to know. But then it also says how much of a social creature they are. And I think to myself, we have to be like otters. We have to be okay with socializing, but being with people that can relate to us and linking up with them as much as we can. And I know, Sigs, that that's what we try to do with other podcasts too, is that we try to link up with them and try to elevate them and spread the word about them too as as much as we can, which is why we've chosen to spotlight them. So that's really kind of like leading us to the fixing of the week, which is find others and link up with them. Because sometimes the best mentors are the people at our level. That is very well put. Thanks. In as much as the fixing is, you know, finding others and linking up with them, I just want to say that I want us also to link up with our colleagues and friends and neighbors with the Indigenous communities, especially with what has recently happened in Kamloops and the discovery of missing children in and around the residential school there. And just a reminder that colonialism and Indigenous genocide does exist and that we should think about that and acknowledge it and that we should figure out how to help, however you can help, our Indigenous communities across this nation, across what they would call Turtle Island today. So I think there's not much else left to say except to take us out, Sigs. You can email us at holohollowpopculture at gmail.com. The Hollow Hollow Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Rate us and leave a review. You can find us on social media. Our Twitter handle is at holohollowpop. And we're on Instagram at holohollowpopculture. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chell Turingen. We'll see all of you guys again real soon. Happy Filipino-Canadian Heritage Month. We have more in store this month.